sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to episode 38, Fascist Fashion Part 2, with me, the cuck ex-Muslim, and of course, ContraPoints returning to the show. She's the best fascist fashion expert out there, believe me. I would give you nothing but the best on this very specific and strangely enjoyable topic of discussion. Hello, Contra. Hello. I've never been introduced as a fascist fashion expert before. This is very this is very fun. <laughs> You're my fascist fashion expert. Who else? <laughs> Yeah. That's true. I, I don't know a lot of other people dressing up as fascists on the internet and getting away with it, too. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so how have you been since the last uh, episode of Fascist Fashion? I've been very good. Um, a lot of things are in transition. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly where we were last time I did this, but like... I remember using a different pronoun. Yeah, I think, if I think pronouns have changed, I think... I, yeah, I started like HRT. Like a lot, of, a lot of things have changed, both with me and with fascism. <laughs> Do things really ever change with fascism, though? Well, the fundamentals don't change, but like the details and the circumstances definitely change. For sure, for um, sure. Yeah, it's been an interesting two months for me. Um, yeah. As far as the fascist thing changes, I mean, they seem to have like. At this point, they seem to have kind of destroyed themselves for the moment. Um, that's the, the impression I get. Now that probably that may not last long, <laughs> and they destroyed still destroyed themselves. Well, with Charlottesville, I mean, I think that at least it's a big um, setback. Um, they've revealed they still, their uh, power levels. You mean they've revealed their power level? Yes, they right. have. I mean, they still have their man in the White House, so that shouldn't be trivialized. But. <laughs> or they think of him as their man anyway. But um, mm-hmm. they they overshot the mark. They they showed the world too much, and they are sort of keeping a little bit lower profile than they were a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's mean, my experience anyway. For sure, but you just you never really know with them, right? They're so sneaky yeah. and tricky and do things in ways to blend in with the normies. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this they certainly, I mean, like racism is, has not gone away to any extent, right? It's just a matter of them shifting their uh, outward appearance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So before we get into them, I just want to talk about you for a bit. Like, because sure. the, the alt-right video you did, I thought was really, really, really good. And I Thank think you. it got a great reception as well. I'll link to it in the show notes. So how was that? Like, did it get crazy with all the people sharing it? And Yeah, so that video, I mean, my my videos have in the past, they tended to get like around 60,000 views maybe by the time I I made that video. But that video got, it's up to more than 200,000 views. So it's by far the the biggest, you know, view-wise, biggest video I've done. And a lot of it seems to be like shares on leftist Facebook, um, but it was pretty popular. I mean, it has a like ratio that withstood multiple Chan raids 
And yeah. also, I mean, so that's kind of amazing. Like I've never seen that happen on my channel before anyway. So when you say um, Chan raids, what do you mean? I mean, pull like four chance pull, eight chance pull. Um, so just but, people know, bombarding they, the comments. Yeah, section? and this has happened to me before. Like they post a video, and then like you know you suddenly get two hundred Nazi comments. Yeah. Um, and I definitely got that. I mean, that video has like thousands of Nazi comments. So if you are interested in Nazi internet comments, that's like a great treasure trove of them on that video. Oh, um, but yeah, I, I think like. I think that video basically succeeded and, and it, it wasn't about fashion per se, but it was about the way this kind of like rhetorical strategies of the all yeah, right yeah. and the way that they will kind of obfuscate and use irony. And we, we sort of talked about this we last did. time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was basically, I, in that video, I basically took a lot of those ideas and I kind of like laid all of them out formally and explained how the whole thing works. Um, now, of course, as I say in that video, because they're they're smart and, and they know that once people know what their symbols are and once people know how to recognize them, that kind of obfusc the old obfuscation style doesn't work. So they have to pick a new thing. Yeah. So I think that a lot of what happened around the right around the time of that video and is that they are actually dropping a lot, probably a lot of the um, the more superficial stuff like the Pepe and the OK sign and all the stuff that was kind of their peak thing in early 2017. Oh, but, so old, so outdated now. It's like yeah, well, time for right, the fall the, collection. It's time for the fall collection. It really is. <laughs> and the thing is, they're going to they go through this stuff really fast because the point of it is that people, normal people don't recognize it. So you have to be changing it constantly. I mean, it really does actually kind of work like fashion that way. Like once the, once the, once the unwashed mashes catch on, it's no longer fashionable. So you have to move on to a new thing. <laughs> well, with fascism, it's once the, once the normies and centrists figure out what your game is, then you've got to shift to a new dog whistle, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you don't want to be caught out. I think with fashion, it's more like... You don't want to be like everyone else, but here right, they're right. actually trying to trying to blend in, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I mean, your video, like the talking points were great, but artistically, also, it was really very beautiful, and that's something that's very unique about you on YouTube. And I think when we're engaging with um, sort of an ideological battle with the alt right. Uh, I think this meme war stuff really matters, right? Uh, and yeah. that's why I was really drawn to your channel and your work in the first place, because um, you're fighting that meme war. Yeah, I mean, this has been like, back to my earliest videos, one of my main points is that academic kind of lectures are not going to do and be enough to deal with this issue, like to deal with online discourse. Like that's not going to be what is influencing people. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate in a way because it means that people, there's a certain kind of rigor that's been lost. But on the other hand, is it really new? Like people got their information from television before. Yeah. Um, now it's just the internet, but you know, some you know the, the solution to me it seems not is not to like dig your heels in and say no. People need to eat their spinach and watch you know this hour long video about political theory. Like it's just not going to happen. Like you've got to you got to change your red or someone has to. You know, like there's a room for the academic stuff. There's room for the academic stuff too, and I'm glad people do that. Yeah. But 
also someone has got to be doing, like you say, the meme war. And also just making content that like lots of people watch, which, you know, if you want to reach a large audience, and that means being entertaining on some level. Yeah, yeah. So so this is my fear that you're too good for YouTube. Like artistically, someone's going to take you and you're, you'll be gone and then you'll be... <laughs> Well, I don't know who's going to take me, though. Like, I could get a sh- I've thought about this. I mean, I could get a show on MTV or whatever, like some people do. But the thing is, like, one thing I like about YouTube is I like being in total control of my projects. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like the very personal, informal nature of it. Um, and since, like, Patreon it basically allows me to make a, a fine living at the moment on YouTube. Like, as long as that holds up, I don't really have a reason to look, search out for anything else. yeah. That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear it because if if you left YouTube and went on to like some MTV show, I uh, I don't think it'd be the same. I don't think so either. Yeah. All right. Well, we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of Patreon, you know, it's funny because I'm caught in this in this weird world, and I know we've talked about this as well. Where like, you know, I'm an ex-Muslim, so I'm kind of pushed into this role where a lot of people just want me to talk about like, you know, Islam all the time. I want you to be the Muslim critiquer. Right, which which I'm yeah. happy which I'm happy to do, but Islam is part of a bigger picture in the Western climate right yes. now, right? So, yes. you know, as someone who's been interested in following sort of how extremism grows and tackling it, I'm I'm naturally interested in talking about other forms of it as well, right? So when I deviate from my role, my appointed role as what ex-Muslims are supposed to do, I I see that reflected in my Patreon very, very quickly. So, so like, say you yeah, can tough. attract, like, a regular leftist audience, and that's great. That's your audience. But me, I have trouble doing that because of the ex-Muslim, firstly, because right. people are like, oh, is she an Islamophobe? Is she this? And then they make assumptions about me, right? Um, Because I do criticize Islam pretty harshly as well. But then on the other hand, the people that are often most interested in hearing about Islam and criticisms of Islam are not the kind of people that I want to be reaching. So then I'm I'm stuck in this place, right, where I do want to talk about Islam. But the people that I want to talk to are kind of wary of ex-Muslims, maybe, or people who criticize Islam, because it's been done only by the yeah. far right. Yeah, well, that's a complicating factor when you say that you're interested in other forms of extremism and how they work is that a lot of the kind of like far right extremism in the West, well, let's say that being hostile to Islam plays a particular role in that extremism. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's a very complicated intersection of problems. Yeah, it's all connected. And I I mean, I I hope that you'll address, uh, you know, some Islam-related stuff too someday because what's interesting to me is when I speak to you, which I love doing, but, but I guess because your audience isn't used to hearing you comment on Islam, maybe there are some very upset people. Like I was looking at the comments when I was on your channel and there were some people like so disappointed in you for talking to me because I'm an Islamophobe, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, I've been talking about doing a kind of like Islam video for ages, um, I haven't done it yet. It is, and part of the reason that I avoid it is that it it is such a daunting task. It is, yeah. And like, you know, there's just not a way to do it without like angering a ton of people. I mean, everything I do is like that. But 
in this case, you know, it gets even harder when you anger the people who are your core yes, audience. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And I mean, I'm not afraid to do that. Like the last video I did was about critiquing like the, the style, the rhetoric of the left. So, yeah. and that, you know, and that did, a lot of people in my audience did feel half kind of like they felt somewhat attacked by it. Oh. Um, I mean, the reaction really was very good, but... But, but, you know, and for some people, my audience, it was, it was more of a, shall we say, complicated video, like rather than just bashing the fash, it was kind of, you know, more, yeah. introspect, more introspective and more self-critical. Right. I think it's uh, important to engage in both types of conversations. There are those, of course, that are just interested in bashing the left, which gets annoying Yes. In this climate, especially because, like, you know, they'll downplay the Dave Rubens, they'll downplay all kinds of stuff like that. But the left, oh my gosh, it's like the the campus SJWs are like the biggest problem in the world. It's actually really bizarre to me. Like, I've been been covering this exact issue for, you know, that was was like the first thing I ever talked about on, on this YouTube channel. And it's still kind of, it's weird to me. Like, why are the, the, it's in particular it's the campus SJW thing like you say like why is that the thing they care about so much um, it's just weird to me I mean I know that right they, that these these wild exaggerations have been spread about free speech is going to be destroyed by a camp by hysterical 20 year olds you know but yeah the obsession with it, it to the exclusion of much more serious topics is really weird yeah absolutely oh and just to to go back to what I was saying how I said that you know people were upset that you spoke to me also when you were on my show the first time people in my audience were upset that I spoke to you because you know you were way too left so Uh, SJW yeah 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 but like I don't understand like why I'm sort of like they draw a line between me and the like I'm perfectly happy on the left. It's of course there are some criticisms I have regarding, you know, how sometimes conservative Islam gets championed but out of good intent, but it the, they end yeah. up doing it the wrong way. And you know, I want to drive those criticisms home, but I don't feel the the raw anger and the, you know, the hate for the left that a lot of people in my position do. Um so yeah. It's weird to be a leftist ex-Muslim. I, I've been thinking about this in intersection a lot lately, and uh, it's very impossible. Very impossible, yeah. This is just impossible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, some things are impossible to do right, but, some, but sometimes that's the. Sometimes you should do, you should still do them. Oh, of course, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Maybe that's what it is with me and making the like Islam video, is that like... It's just there's not like a way to really – well, I guess there probably is a way to do it, right? I just need to find it. And like part of it also is that, well, there's some topics that I think are more – they lend themselves better to my style mm-hmm. of things. And the Islam thing is hard because like part of my style often does involve like a kind of irreverent humor. Mm-hmm. And like – Islam plus irreverent humor plus like racism in the like in the nearby fringes is just like a very very tricky tightrope. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. But that's the tightrope that is it's so important to to walk that right now. Because, yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, in the in the environment I'm in on YouTube, there's a lot of. I mean, what I, what I would really describe as far right propaganda. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. You know, from Infowars to, um, you know, just the kind of more amateur side of it with 
all these right-wing channels or these centrist channels that really skew pretty far to the right. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I've So do you think it's fair to, to say that you're a leftist propagandist? Um, that's the kind of derogatory way I would characterize it, yes. <laughs> no, but I even mean, like as a yeah. reappropriating of the... Because in some context, I think it's important for there to be counter-propaganda. You know what I'm saying? Like... Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I would consider it more counter-propaganda. Because yeah. like, since we first talked, I think that a lot of people have talked about the way that the kind of sort of calls itself the skeptic community on mm. the on YouTube anyway, which is not the same as a skeptic community like as as a part of a wider circuit of atheist conferences and things, but a very but small, it's becoming but it's, it is becoming that right with the conferences now inviting the YouTube people but yeah <laughs> oh God, but yeah, um yeah, there seems to be some fracturing and their unity. I mean, they really fucked up, like, to be honest, with, um, you know, allowing themselves to kind of be, they flew a little too close to the alt-right. And a lot of people who are alt-right sort of ended up... But that is what's getting them the big views and the large followings, right? Which is very concerning. Well, right. I mean, you have people like Lauren Southern, you know, who, whatever she actually thinks... Uh, has cultivated an audience that clearly likes the alt right, but she's um, identified as alt right. So it's, I mean, I don't understand the. She doesn't. I don't think she says. I don't think not she says she's alt right. Yeah. No, not anymore. Maybe, but she's. But did said, she actually she, say yeah, alt right? She's used oh the God. hashtag before. Yeah. 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 So I mean, and I mean, she was on an identitarian mission to shoot flares at a like a refugee rescue boat. So I know. I mean, I like I I'll, I basically accuse her of being a fascist in my video on the all right. But yeah, it, you know, it, you've got so you got people like that, and then you've got people who are not quite there, but are like Paul Joseph Watson, who just kind of like flirts with the line. You know, he he he'll, he basically says everything that the all right, except explicitly talking about Jews, ethno states, and. Um, white genocide, you know. He's like, talked about white genocide, though. Oh God. <laughs> Maybe My he examples hasn't... are, yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't used the word white genocide. Yeah, but he's. Well, that's what about... I mean. Like a lot of these people, like like that, that, that's the thing. It's like Breitbart. Their ideas are just not very different from the all rights ideas. It's just that they use different words and they use more euphemisms. Yeah, but so, they also you know, said they were the platform for the alt right, right? Um, yeah, I guess they did for a while. Yeah, I, yeah. My memory's all weird on this now because like they they've. I've been they've kind of gaslit us, I guess, in terms of denying having. Once the alt right became definitively associated with fascism, a lot of people, I think, have distanced, yeah. hit, hit the brakes on calling themselves alt right, understandably. But the thing is that they still like all you need to do is change the wording of a Breitbart article superficially, and it's just not that. It's just not that. Um, far away from a Daily Stormer article. You know, it's the same kinds of things, like a mob of refugee rapists or whatever is invading us. Yeah. Like, our, you know, whether they call them white people, whether they call them just more vaguely, like, the West or Western yeah, yeah. culture or whatever, needs to protect itself against foreigners, you know. But it's like, from a policy perspective, they want the same things. Mm-hmm. It would appear so. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Daily Stormer is like just a smidge further. Like, I don't know if. Oh, it's definitely for. I mean, the Daily Stormer. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's, it doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, we, that's right. Yes, a lot. I mean, right after Charlottesville, a lot of these things just I Stormfront got shut down. Daily Stormer got shut down. But like, yeah, I don't. Well, the Daily Stormer. I mean, it, it's all out neo-Nazi site. Like, yeah. 
there's, so you know, open Breitbart praise. Breitbart won't want Hitler. a an ethno state or praise Hitler. They but, won't praise. They won't praise Hitler, right? Yeah. But they will. You know, every in a lot of ways, the Breitbart is much more dangerous, right? Because I mean, they have connections to the presidency. It's presidency, like it's very powerful. Yeah. And the the scary thing is that in effect, they share the same goals as the, the same goals as the Daily Stormer, and they're able to advocate for them much more compellingly because they don't say "Hail Hitler." Yes. Yes, and that and that's really uh, kind of the problem with sort of people posing as moderate Muslims and promoting Islamists as well. So it's it's yeah. all it's all tied up. I regret to say that I've noticed in some ways the extreme wing wing of the left somewhat starting to resemble the tactics of the alt right. I mean, you might say that's not inherently bad, but. What do you mean? It bothers me because it reminds me of them so much. So what I'm talking about is this kind of like revolutionary LARPing, the Stalin memes, mm. the, you know, and it's like the, the ironic. <laughs> so ironic Stalin memes, you know, <laughs> it's just a joke, but also don't, don't you start. Like, yeah. I, it just, it feels yeah. just because of, I'm like, I'm triggered by it is what I'm saying. Like so close to the all right thing that, it just, I don't even want to head down, down that road. Down that well, road. yeah, and there are some yeah. figures that you just don't, uh, you know, ironically praise. Yes, right, exactly. And and the reason I was jokingly calling you leftist propaganda is, is you know, I want to make clear, definitely not in a, a derogatory way at all. I heard a lot of criticisms of you and your video from people that obviously didn't like you. I was looking through comments and stuff, and I heard this leftist propaganda leftist propaganda and i'm like well what yeah well you know if we're doing this meme war thing there needs to be these counter arguments presented in in a similar fashion if you want to get into that level of discussion where these ideas spread yeah i mean to me when they say leftist when they accuse me leftist propaganda what it sounds like they're saying to me is that like well, it's just like a, a very common, a common accusation against me is that like, oh, I'm like acad- I'm brainwashed by academia, and I'm spreading some kind of like far left political ideology and propaganda. And the thing is, like, okay, I guess that's how you know. I'm sure how it looks like to people who really disagree with what I'm saying. But also, these are like my genuinely personally held beliefs. Mm-hmm. I have no allegiance whatsoever to any pro- professors I may have had, like. <laughs> And this stuff, you know, when when it comes to topics like gender, like, I'm really not regurgitating academic theory on this. I'm often speaking from intensely personal first-person experience. And, like, this is what I really believe in. It really affects my life. And, like, that's not... To me, that's that part of it is really not propaganda. It's actually... It's more like self-expression. Okay. Um, So, to me, that... So, so... But it's true that I do a variety of different things on my channel, and some of it is kind of like leftist propaganda, like the the stuff with the alt-right often basically is, you know what I mean? But also, like, in my earlier videos on the alt-right, I was trying to argue with them. So I think another thing about propaganda is that it plays, it's not rational, right? Like, yeah, it plays on yeah, emotions right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and intense feelings and doesn't really attempt to persuade through reasons. Whereas I think a lot of my videos do attempt to persuade through reasons. Yeah. So, although I'm kind of moving away from that, actually. Like, a lot, as I increasingly do these, like, dialogue videos, these, like, kind of, like, little plays or mm-hmm. something. And then I wouldn't call that propaganda either, because it's like, 
it's almost more like socially conscious art of some kind. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's like some kind of point I'm making, but but I'm making it very like allegorically. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't think that's propaganda. But I mean, in a sense, like I am trying to represent leftist ideas well to the public. So yeah. if that's all propaganda means, then yeah, I'm doing that. Right. I remember Jordan Peterson. Um Ah, yeah. My favorite Canadian professor, not at all, um, had some sort of definition of propaganda. I I forget what it was, but it was really, really simplistic. And that meant that he defined things like Frozen from Disney as propaganda. That's interesting because that actually, he's so weird because he's so critical of like Marxism, postmodernism and stuff. But like (laughs) the idea that like Frozen is propaganda, like usually it is like Marxist literary critics who take that line, right? Everything is ideology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Marxist way of putting it right yeah like frozen is ideal ideology it's it's bourgeois ideology right or yeah. you know it reinforces certain ideas about women or about power or about and like okay you can actually see any media that way and that's what marxist critics do yeah is they analyze all media through the lens of like what nor, what norms about economic power does this media reinforce yeah but what so wait what does peterson say about frozen <laughs> It was something about it being like propaganda because the woman, the it was giving a message that the female character did not need a man to succeed. Oh, it's feminist propaganda. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, did like did Disney like has often had a sort of feminist thing, right? Well, not always, but no. <laughs> it's, at least often seems to. Th- think it's being feminist you know what i mean like i guess especially late i mean the early stuff where it's like a woman finds a man and is happy forever like yeah that's not super feminist but i feel like they've been caught for the last few decades anyway they've been consciously trying to avoid that or to to, like renounce that kind of thing it's been very Um, slow though but yes and so in a sense like all media, all stories that you would tell, like, have kind of implications, you know, and even if they're not, like, super heavy-handed with the messaging, like, there are sort of, like, moral insights that you can kind of draw from them. And, yeah, it's But isn't that storytelling? Yeah, of course, it's all storytelling. So it's true that you learn about the values of the people telling the story from the story itself, right? So, yeah, it's true that Frozen does kind of support maybe values of female independence. So... I mean, the thing about Peterson is that he then seems to be hostile enough to the idea of female independence that he's calling it propaganda. Oh, yeah. Did you see his recent tweets? They were crazy. No. I got to find those for you and read them out, like, word for word. Okay, so here's Jordan Peterson. Is it possible that young women are so outraged because they are craving infant contact in a society that makes that very difficult? And the other one is... Number two of questions to get crucified for asking, do feminists avoid criticizing Islam because they unconsciously long for masculine dominance? Oh, God. Yeah, I did see this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. What is the first part he says? Are, are they, uh, we, they, love, they love Islam because they secretly crave masculine dominance? Yeah, I don't think that's what it is, Jordan. So I don't understand, though. Does he like Islam? Like, what's Well, the- that, right, that's the thing, right? Like, well... Because these people, you know, they're so 
they, they they're Western chauvinists, except when they're nostalgic for Islamic society, yeah. like or, or, or norms associated with it, right? Like intense social conservatism. Like they, they they say they like the West, but like what do they like about the West exactly? Like yeah, a lot of times it's it's you know it's this idea of a glorious past West that they like. And what they dislike intensely is the West as it actually exists in its decadent, degenerate form. Yeah, and didn't PJW, even after like a, a terror attack, an Islamic terror attack, say uh, something like, no wonder they hate us because of our, I don't know, I don't know if you used the word degenerate ways, but he implied something yeah. like that, right? Like, Well, and I mean, the thing is, like, they sound like... <laughs> They sound like Islamists on, on this For particular sure. point. For sure, and this is why I don't yeah. understand people who don't want to see the bigger picture. It's all yeah. related, right? Yeah. The other thing is Jordan Peterson saying, like, I, I swear to you, I think my grandma in Pakistan is more progressive than this, but he thinks young women are so outraged because they want, like, infant contact in a society that makes that very difficult. Well, yeah, he has a way of kind of explaining, like... <laughs> large-scale social phenomena sometimes that aren't actually phenomena like in this case and as like you know he has like some very oversimplified psychological explanation for it like oh this is the craving of infant that this it's a unsatisfied drive toward touching infants that, that sounds <laughs> wrong towards you know yeah, being a- nurturing toward infants that is causing women to be angry feminists like yeah i don't know it, it, it's a kind of like it's wild psychological speculation based on nothing except you know conservative social values Right, right. It's funny. And, but how- what's frustrating about people who who push for conservative social values is that they just they're so confident that their values are the natural ones, and on and fairly little evidence they kind of assert as if it were an obvious fact that their values are the ones that are the only ones that basically that humans can succeed under. Right, right, right. As if, you know, nature, leaving everything up to nature and being natural is the way to go. Like we haven't made any modifications in our society that are unnatural. Like those people aren't wearing glasses to correct their eyesight or, you know. Right. And I also just like disagree with the notion that like Abrahamic social values are the natural ones. Like I don't, think they are sure I, mean, and it, I think they, they may be the result of certain like instinctive tendencies like instinctive like neuroticism about diet and about sex you know but i don't think that they're inherently natural values and i mean animals eat their babies like what the fuck right now we should not be <laughs> copying animals like it's ridiculous yeah there was a tweet from mike cernovich that was like i don't know i forget what he's saying something about rape people say rape is unnatural but like you know lions mate by you know raping each other something ridiculous well like yeah that. I mean, this is a man who's like flagship idea is the the, the gorilla mindset yeah, yeah. sort of idea that the ideal man has something more akin to like lower primates yeah yeah and also he's tweeted before you know the closer to rape the hotter the sex something oh like that. he's so that's I would stay far. I'm gonna. I'm gonna avoid him. Yeah, he's really, really gross. But anyways, we haven't been talking about fashion very much. Let's. We uh, have not. Yeah. <laughs> let's get. Let's get into it. Let's talk yeah. about this uh, unite the right rally in Charlottesville because I believe our last uh, installment of fascist fashion took place like right before. Yeah. Charlottesville. Sometimes. So, what did you see after that? 
Well, I mean, the, the the thing itself, like horrible tragedy aside, like it was it on its own as a visual spectacle, kind of like a fascist fashion show. Like you really saw the whole array of stuff there. Like, I mean, I, I first we were first taking notice on the day before the rally when Andrew Anglin of the Daily Storm article to his followers about how to dress for the rally, where he basically. You know, he derides them for looking like neckbeards or losers and talks about how to like tuck in your shirt and wear clothes that fit and things like this. And I just thought it was, I thought yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading it now. It says the worst look ever is a baggy t shirt. Wear fitted yeah. t shirts where the sleeve goes to the middle of your bicep. It should not hang lower than the base of your member. <laughs> yes. Oh, what an awful way of putting it. <laughs> yeah it's so funny that he's just like momming the hell out of them yeah and it's yeah this nazi fashion stuff they're very very as you pointed out in the first episode we did about this they're very finicky and very interested in in their little little fashion and their appearance and and being overweight is just like unacceptable and that's where the golden one it's really harsh, right? Like yes, they're very conscious of appearances. I'm not. Hold on, I'm trying to find this Richard Spencer. These Richard Spencer tweets. Uh, it's probably too far back. I don't want to scroll. Spend time scrolling. But basically, what he says is that he he thinks he's like quoting like Nietzsche or some philosopher of the 19th century. He says like life is only justified through art, and therefore like you know it's important to preserve the aesthetics of a country. And this is accompanied by like Instagram pictures of like hot white people, and the implication being that like immigrants from like Mexico or whatever are like u- ugly. Mm-hmm. And on that basis, on the, on the basis of some kind of like white supremacist conformist aesthetics, that's the justification for immigration restrictions, which, which is like, I mean, that's like, that's it's, like ridiculous. Way off, it's way off the grid in terms of like, like acceptable mainstream political discourse. Yeah. But I mean, it, it shows that like people who get drawn to like really far right politics and fa- fa- fascism and neo-Nazism, that kind of stuff, they end up getting obsessed with aesthetics, which is really, I mean, it seems really weird until you just get used to it. But like, part of it seems to be that, I mean, if you want to psychoanalyze their worldview, like a lot of it seems to be drawn from emotions about disgust and purity and things like that. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of like aesthetic or like almost like gustatory emotions. Um, so it makes sense that they're so concerned about like looking fit and, I mean, that and just the fact that they value strength and beauty, you know what I mean? These, like, um, kind of like Nietzsche, Ubermensch values. Like, it makes sense that to them it's, like, very shameful to be seen as unkempt neckbeards. And it's funny because there's this image of their scene as, like, these basement dwellers and, you know, overweight and... Yes. What's that bad? Like, if they're so... I guess there's different... I guess we have to see the diversity in the Nazis, right? There's different people with different values. You know, maybe some people are not so keen on fitness and some people are very keen on fitness. Well, it's definitely a motley crew of white guys. Like, that's who shows up to these things. So, I mean, at the rally, right, like, it's clear that with this torch march, that's the kind of iconic image of this thing. Like that whole thing is like done very consciously of how it's going to look. And it's like a big spectacle of intimidation and show of force, right? Um, is this freaky spectacle of these men with torches in 
a long line marching towards the university and chanting. Yeah. And like, I mean, it has a very deliberate psychological effect, but it's also, you know, it, it's an aesthetic thing, right? Like they're thinking about the appearance of it. You know, what would have been funny is if like people trolled them, like by turning it into like a tiki party atmosphere by like yes. showing up with their lays and like tropical drinks and I think that would be very effective, actually. Yeah. <laughs> because their whole thing is a is, relies on the like splendor of it as they see it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so to to make them ludicrous and to make them appear ridiculous is actually a pretty strong tactic. Oh, for sure. I think. Yeah. I think that's so super important and probably works way better than like outrage. I agree. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like the outrage is of course understandable because like their ideology is, is murderous yeah. and racist and all, yeah. you know, but like in terms of what works to, to discredit them, like, you know, getting angry at them, it's going to happen, but it may not be that effect. It may not be as effective as effective ridicule. Yeah. Like I read this story about a German town that there was this uh, Nazi rally being held. And what they did was they turned it into like a, a run for a charitable cause. And they were like all lined up on the sides cheering on the Nazis. And like they, I don't know what they did to make it look more like official, like a, a running for a cause, but they put like, I don't know, track, like, I don't know, markers on the streets. And then I think that that rally never happened again. Something like that. I remember reading. Yeah, wasn't it that like they they put up a, like you said, yeah, like as if it were like a charity run for. Yeah. I think it was like a, a charity to like supporting Holocaust survivors. Yeah, and they had a thing. They had to think of a point on the main street where. Like they would say, like every person who walks past, like they donate another hundred dollars. Yeah, so they had like, maybe like ho- lines, finishing lines, or whatever. Right. I have people cheering them on. Like, yeah, I think that's that's extremely effective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't understand yeah. the people that get upset at uh, the idea of ridiculing Nazis. Like, I, I had a discussion with someone on Twitter yeah. who was angry when I said, like, you know, the guy who was playing a tuba behind a KKK rally was pretty funny and effective. And they're like, no, 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 comedy doesn't work. And Yeah, so this is like kind of a more of a hard line, like Antifa kind of yeah. position. Yeah. Where they think that like the only tactic that works against fascists is violence, mm-hmm. and like there's situations where that's probably true. But I think in you know these are not that situation. Like a lot of times in the, in these like little fascist rallies, but you know from like far right extremists, these people are kind of viewed as on the fringe by most people anyway. Even if their ideas are alarmingly um, kind of catching on um, in a different and more polished form. But like the, when it comes to the extreme people, like their rallies are, are small enough because they just don't have enough. There's just not enough of them. They're small enough that they really can be dealt with by a kind of, you know, counter, you know, the, at a certain point it becomes like the Westboro Baptist church, right? Like, how do you deal with them? Well, you protect the most vulnerable victims, like people holding funerals, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't let them in. And then you make fun of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, and I think that, you know, when you have like neo Nazi groups, uh, yeah, that, the tuba, that's, I think it's a perfectly reasonable time to deploy that kind of strategy. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the people who, I don't understand the advocating violence thing. Yeah. Uh, but well, this, is, this is something I've definitely been running up against a lot um, and sort of have discussed on my channel. Um, yeah. Usually in these dialogue videos. Yeah. But I don't yeah. lose sleep over Richard Spencer being punched. I know there's a lot of yeah. people in the yeah. scene who it, who it keeps them up at night. Like, oh yes. my God, yes. he was punched. 
punched. I know, I know. Like, so like, they're so much much more bothered by the violence against Richard Spencer than by like any number of other kinds of violence. Which again, yeah, comes, by like the Quebec I mean, mosque shootings or whatever. Right, right. I mean, it comes back to the same thing about this type of style of commentator who only seems to care about like these little weird things that are they view as transgressions on the left, right? It's like the campus SJWs, it's Antifa punching Richard Spencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the focus on that. That they seem like the worst things in the world to them. It's just kind of weird to me that, you know, it, it's hard to not view it at some point as like, even if, even if not an intent, in effect, someone like f- fashy, sympathetic. And I just like, I, I don't know. I try to, th- I try to put myself in a, in, in the shoes of someone who may be feeling some sort of like, I don't know, tribal connection. I don't know. They're connected by race or something. So I'm like, right. if like Anjum Chowdhury or like a Islam fascist got punched, would I get like defensive or like freak out about the slippery slope? I don't think so. I mean, of course, I don't. Okay, violence. I abhor violence. I don't think that you should hurt people unless you're in in self defense. But I really, I really would not be going on for months if Anjum Chowdhury, the hate preacher, was punched. I yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, so. it's yeah, it's it's just a weird point for them to get. So I mean, I think it's because like people on the. But, you know, what I'll say to them is I think maybe one of the reasons is that a lot of people on the left really kind of celebrated that, um, which I thought all, I have mixed feelings about that, but I think that, you know, they kind of, what, what I heard from so many people is like, but people call me a Nazi. So who's to say that the centrists aren't next, you know, or whatever, but and this is a strategy, you know, this is something that benefits the kind of very far right now, which is what I called in that recognizing fascist video. I called it solidarity of the accused. I mean, it's something that I've seen like mm. fascists exploit, right? As I say, well, look, all white people are accused of racism now. So like you and me are in the same boat. But that's because, why the left has a responsibility right. to be careful in how they use the word Nazi. But of course, people have jumped on that and then they don't want people wearing swastikas to be called Nazis or they don't want Richard Spencer to yes. be called a Nazi. So there's confusion well, all around. Agreed, agreed. I mean, like, it's, I agree that it's just so important to be responsible about making those distinctions. So, you know, I, on the one hand, right, you have these people like roaming millennial was like this when I I was talking to her, like she is like, well, is Richard Spencer not really a Nazi? Is he's not really a white supremacist? Like, you know, this really kind of naive, just take everything they say at their word and don't analyze at all what they actually think or want to do. Um, Is that naive? Other hand, or is that on purpose? I don't know. I never know. I think there's. I think some people are doing it on purpose, and some people are genuinely naive. Mm. And, it's, and it's just impossible to tell the difference. Um, but I also see people on the left, like on Twitter, calling armored skeptic a Nazi and stuff like that, and that makes me cringe so hard. Yeah. It's like, like guys, like I get your criticism of him, like. That, that I don't. I don't say I think you should not criticize him, but he is not. A, he's just not a Nazi. Like he's just yeah, not. Nazi and means throwing something. that accusation around somewhat frivolously is not helping things. Yeah. He might have some talking points. I don't know much about him, but he might have some talking yeah. points that are far right or whatever. But then say that. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I agree. But like you, you can tell when you spend enough time watching someone's content, you can usually, if you're experienced with this, like you can pick up pretty fast whether they're fashy or not. Yeah. Um, well, same thing with Dave Rubin, right? Like it, yeah. it makes me angry when someone will say like he's a Nazi. Well, because yeah, he's, he's not. not. A, he's he's not a Nazi. Yeah. definitely platforming some very fashy people. Yeah. 
uh, and promoting them. And that's the thing to stress. When you go and you call him a Nazi or a white supremacist, you give him such an easy out to laugh everything off because that's what he does. He doesn't respond to the legit criticisms on Twitter. He'll block those people. But when someone calls him a Nazi, he'll like make a spectacle of it. Ha, make ha, a big ha, spectacle ha. of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And part of the problem is there is this like like binary thinking on with some people on the left where either you're one of the good people or you're a Nazi. And it's like that needs to. That's something that we need to work on. I think, mm-hmm. or I, you know, maybe, maybe this is. I only ever put it like that before, but that's maybe something I want to t- touch in a video because I think it's really damaging, like in terms of our people on the left's ability to accurately understand what's going on and also to do outreach. Yeah, that's right. Like so some people, because I know I know of people who would who would call Ruben a Nazi because he platforms Lauren Southern or like who don't make these kinds of distinctions. And it's like, yeah, you know, they say, well, it doesn't you know if he if he platforms Nazis and he protects them and he you know gives them you know he's no different. It's like, well, actually, he is different. And like how you deal with him is different, and how you criticize him should be different. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then because you, if you give call them him a Nazi, like, It's just too implausible. Like he's because he's not a Nazi, right? Yeah. yeah. So no one's gonna believe. You and they're going to make fun of, and, and and then that becomes an excuse and a kind of red herring, right? Where they can dismiss any valid criticism. Yes. By then they use that her- to say Richard yeah. Spencer isn't a Nazi. Well, no, he is. Yes, that's right. On the one hand, they they use it like, oh, look at all these frivolous Nazi accusations. No one's a Nazi because all the accusations are frivolous, right? And on the other hand, th- then people like Ruben can say that there's no valid criticism of me because I'm going to caricature all my critics as people who call me a Nazi. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And uh, Gad Sad did that with me too. Uh, he he's a very strange fellow. I don't know how familiar you are with him. I'm, but not, I'm not very familiar with him now well, at good all. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So he's an immigrant from the Middle East yeah. uh, of Jewish background from from Lebanon, and uh, he promotes a lot of like far right. He's had on he's had on PJW some Swedish yeah. person called Ingrid something people who like talk about white genocide, and you know so I was saying something about him. I was saying that he promotes a lot of far writers and white genociders. Then he caricatured that criticism, which is provable, which there is video evidence of on his own goddamn show that he platforms and promotes people like this. He takes that to say, oh, Inez says that we're all KKK. Hey, Dave Rubin, when's the next KKK meeting? Ha ha ha. Right. Yeah. That's not what I said. Yeah. Well, right. They're they're. I mean, this is pretty common. Sure, all criticism of them in order to avoid taking it seriously. But yeah, it's a particularly annoying one, especially when like you know you're being careful not to do what they'll what they say left us do. But then even when you don't do it, they say you did. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, he goes in and like after that, after that criticism of him, he goes and tries to get Gert Wilders on his show. Oh, God. To piss me, yeah. to, to piss me. Off. Oh, that'll show her. Ha ha ha. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are doing what I'm saying you're doing. What is that right, supposed yes, to show me? You're continuing me? to do the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um. This happens with the word like Islamist and jihadist as well. Like, you know, when, when, I don't know if you follow the time when Linda Sarsour said this really stupid, admittedly stupid thing in one of her speeches, um, about Trump. She talked about the word jihad being like, you know, some people oh, try to yeah, reclaim the term jihad and. No, it's such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. You just don't do that, especially when talking about the president, right? Right. She, yeah. though she, if they cut the clip, she did explain that she was, you know, 
talking about how a, a word in the face of a tyrant is the best form of jihad, something like that. Right. And they cut that out, but they only kept the part where she said, like, oh, yeah, and this is my jihad against Trump or something. It's oh, God, just, yeah. So there are people yeah, just, who took her as— Even if she it was stupid to say that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But you you have to really know that you're misrepresenting her to think that she was calling yes. for holy actually war. calling for holy war against yeah. Trump, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. So yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because these are the people who get mad if you overuse racist, and then they overuse things like you know Islamist or jihadist. Yeah. So. They do it too. Yeah, I, well, I mean, of course they do. Like, yeah, almost every accusation they have is, I mean, even like the whole like free speech thing, oftentimes like that is used as a way of as shutting down criticism because criticism is like mischaracterized as censorship. Yeah, yeah, something. you're not owed like a platform. You're not yeah. owed a book deal. Well, this was the problem I had when I criticized, like for instance, Roaming Millennial for giving this very softball interview to Richard and jokes about how she's actually more right-wing than he is, you know. And, like, a lot of people responded to my criticism of her by saying, like, oh, you support, like, censorship and you're against free speech because you don't think... Because, like, look, the thing is, like, first of all, they're getting so defensive about Richard Spencer's right to speak wherever he wants, which seems bad, like, a bad time to me. But also, like, I'm not saying Richard Spencer has no constitutional right to speak. Yeah, like, of course he does. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's welcome to put a soapbox on a corner and rant, rant about white genocide. But, like, that doesn't mean that it's a good idea or ethical or smart... To have to him have, in a university. have yeah. him on your show so he can spout yeah. on, you know, with an uncritical environment, the propaganda and reach new recruits. Like, that is not a constitutional protection. And criticizing people for doing that does not amount to censorship. Yeah, people like to take terms and, you know, purposely spread confusion around them because it's easier for bad ideas to remain unchallenged that way. Yeah, and it's a, it's a refusal to engage with, like, the, the real criticism, yeah, too. Yeah, like, for sure. Because it's actually, like, a, a very, you know, if you want to interview Richard Spencer, I mean, like, there's circumstances where I can see that not being Well, bad. David Pakman did it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but he, did, that, he no. did a great job. He did an absolutely great job. I mean, he plugged his website, which I wouldn't have done uh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that <laughs> at either. all. Yeah. But um, the, he, he was very polite, very calm, but he grilled him. He did not let him go on anything, even though he tried to dodge and change the subject. David yeah. Pakman still kept persisting. So, yeah, he really exposed him in a very polite way. Yeah, that, so, so I agree that in that case, like, there's absolutely a defense you could give of doing it, but that is it requires a little bit of work and not just saying, don't attack my free speech, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I think if you're going to have such people on, the only, yeah. only possible excusable way is to have them on and challenge them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, but it, it really, you know, requires, like... It just requires a level of like thought about the ethics of and the effects of things that they a lot of people aren't willing to enter. I mean, and on YouTube, like part of the problem is that a lot of people who have set themselves up as political commentators are people who just like don't care that much or know that much and are just kind of doing this for the lulls. Why are they so popular then? I well, I mean, is it exactly because of the style thing, right? Like, in fact, part of part of what's I think attractive to them is that they don't care that much, mm. which gives them this kind of breezy LOL attitude, you know. And like, 
it's again that it's kind of that South Park thing once again where um, you know people, especially teenagers, unfortunately, are attracted to people who make politics into just a joke. And you know that's one reason why I try to be funny with my channel, like because it, it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and people let you people are much more receptive to your message if you can make the message funny, like. Because people aren't rational. Like, yeah. And this is another problem I have with people who think that, like, you know, just pure academic type discourse is going to work. It, it does. It doesn't in part because, you know, it's the, re- the facts of the matter is that people don't think about things super rationally. So I am not saying don't make reasons and don't have good rational arguments. Like, yes, definitely do that because those, it's important to have those. Otherwise, anything goes. Yeah. But also... And in terms of conveying the message that you've arrived at by reason, in addition to giving your reasons for it, it's also important to package that in an attractive way and to do things like humor. And to, I mean, when it comes to YouTube, so much of what people watch for is personality. Like, yeah. You know, it's just the sheer force of a character yeah. that they're interested in watching. And so that turns out to matter. And a lot of times, if these political commentators who have, you know, real knowledge or expertise or, or and don't care to acquire any, like they, they have this character that for some reason people find attractive of this kind of like, I find British accents are a very helpful tool to get oh God, bad ideas tell going. Me about it. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, that's that one. People have been falling for that in America for probably centuries. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's really true that the authoritative British man is really gets an unfair advantage in the free marketplace of ideas. Mm. Yeah. Gets away with saying some really ridiculous things. I yes, mean. it's really true. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to explain uh, Douglas Murray or Sargon of Akkad, who, you yeah. know, I haven't, I haven't looked into him much, but whatever I've seen is... Eesh. Yeah, and I just did a... I did a, just like a debate or discussion with him on his podcast channel. Oh, yeah, I um, saw that. I saw month. that in passing on Twitter. I'm like, what? How um, was that? Yeah. I mean, it was okay. Like, to me, the point of these things, like, it's really just to show up and show them that you're a human being and that like you're willing to, to have a conversation. And t- to me, that's actually important, even with people who believe things and have done things that I think are really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it's important to me, honestly, also just for like my own safety and self-protection because people, they, you know, I've seen this happen to so many people on YouTube is that there becomes a straw man version of them that's constructed that yeah, you have to just, show who you really are. Right. Just right. It, it just replaces who they really are mm-hmm. in the eyes of, you know, probably the majority of people who know about your channel. Yeah. Like bring the fight to them. Like go on their channel. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, sometimes like, that's useful. Yeah. Sometimes it might not be. Yeah. Sometimes when people don't engage in good faith and their like audience is so like, you know, rigged against you that they're just, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I think, yeah, absolutely. We have to talk to people on the opposing ideological side, but you have to pick those battles as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, and, and it's true that there's people on YouTube who I just won't talk to because it's not worth it and their audiences are just too not even interested. Yeah. You know? And like ideas really. I heard um, Jared Taylor was also speaking with uh, Sargon in yeah, a softball Sargon interview. Spoke to Jared Taylor directly after speaking to me. Nice. Um, <laughs> so. What does that say about uh, you, Contra? You led him there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I just, I just love free speech so much. 
<laughs> yeah. So go. So going back to the um, Andrew Andrew Al- Anglin, I think Anglin. Is his name. Yeah, Andrew Anglin. Right. This thing about dressing yourselves. The, yeah. 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 So, so I, mean, I mean, if you look at like what people wore to that rally, like there there was definitely still people. Like there's one of the most famous images from that thing. It's like some schlubby fool and baggy pants carrying a Nazi flag that has creases in it because he ordered it on the internet and never bothered to like iron and iron out the creases <laughs> or whatever. It looks really bad and stupid. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of those aesthetics conscious Nazis are, cr- are cringing really the hard. Aesthetics at that. conscious Nazis versus oh, the yeah. non-aesthetics conscious Nazis. Oh yeah. boy. That's an I mean, interesting it's a real, it's a real, it's a real source of infighting, I think, in that, those communities. Like, as, I mean, as funny as it sounds, like, well, look at the golden one. I mean, my God, like, is anyone so obsessed with the way things look? Right, like, right. You know, the way he looks in particular. Well, I mean, he, he must, pop, yeah, he must not like the North American Nazis very much, then. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, um, because here, yeah, here's Andrew. Anglin saying again from the article, I cannot stress the point hard enough. We need to be extremely conscious of what we look like and how we present ourselves. That matters more than our ideas. If that is said to you, I'm sorry, but that is just human nature. There's that nature again. Yeah. If people see a bunch of mismatched, overweight slobs, they are not going to care what they are saying. And it's funny because... I don't know if I mentioned this in the last one we did, but Tom Bloke had this one compilation tweet of these white nationalist type guys who talked about like, you know, not dating women of color or Indian women, something like that, because they're very unattractive. And then pictures of these guys. And they're like not very attractive. Like I hate shaming people for their looks, but if they shame people for their looks, then I don't really feel as bad. Right. If you're going to ground another other people's humanity on their sexual appeal and you have no sex appeal, we're going to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, just how, yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I noticed like Richard Spencer also has surrounded himself with sort of a little entourage of men in very crisp polo shirts. Oh, I mean, yeah? I think he cares a little. I mean, not that he didn't he like best, also put on a bunch of person. weight and, uh, yes. you know, he got well, kicked this- out of his gym, too. <laughs> Right, he did. Um, thanks to a Georgetown professor. Uh, but yeah, he there's a picture of him that's used in Richard Spencer Mockery where he's kind of bulging out of his suit jacket. Uh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting that the golden one is the only one really keeping it together in terms of <laughs> physical appearance. Although the golden one maybe has taken things a bit too what far. What does Andrew Anglin look like? Is he great looking oh, or what? He's not, he's not great looking. I'm trying to remember what he looks like. What does this guy look like? Oh, yeah, he's this one. The kind of ginger in the Make America Great Again hat. No, he's not much yeah. of an impressive. He's okay. not an impressive. He's lecturing specimen. people on how to dress. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he has like basically a fit to some level, it looks like. But he's not an especially impressive visual person. So now that we're talking about how they're conscious of what they look like. Yeah. Um, you know, this Nazi haircut stuff, right? Yes. There was this one guy who there was a story about, and I think Armored Skeptic also did a, did a video. Up, yeah. yeah, picked it up about how, you know, how dangerous it is to go around calling everyone Nazis, as we were discussing earlier. Yes. And how this guy just got attacked for his Nazi haircut. It seems kind of crazy. Turns out the guy was lying. 
right? He stabbed himself because there's like video of him buying a knife or something like just moments before. Yeah. It turns out to be like one of these, I mean, this happens every once in a while with people on the left or, you know, people, LGBT people faking hate crimes against themselves yeah. for whatever reason, people dedicate. But yes, this is a case of a white, straight white guy stabbing himself and claiming that he was attacked by Antifa for his Nazi haircut. What did they establish any connections to the alt right or anything with him? Like I can't remember. I is don't it just like know a- the follow up? I think he's just a attention seeker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so people ran with that story because that's a story that's got to be like gold in the YouTube skeptic scene. Because oh yeah, demonizing exactly their yeah. talking point, right? Is that oh, like you know, all this demonization of Nazis is going to lead to demonization of people who aren't Nazis. Yeah, and like, but we have to demonize know, Nazis. That's yes, we have to demonize Nazis. Like, is it is it is it conceivable to me that someone who doesn't have Nazi sympathies could, in a protest situation, be mistaken for a Nazi and attacked? Yeah, it's conceivable to me that that could happen, and I hope it doesn't. But the the way to prevent that is not being like, well, I guess we have to get let let the Nazis run wild and unimpeded. Then, oh, like, I gotta tell you, yeah, after Charlottesville, so you know, I was talking with someone on Twitter, and they were upset that I was fine with people like you know, sort of outing the people that were at the rally, like. I feel like if you're there in public without, you know, any care about your face being seen at a Nazi rally, you're carrying a torch or wearing a swastika or whatever. I don't think that there's anything wrong with letting people know who you are, like saying so and so was at the Nazi rally. Well, you put yourself there. Your face was there. No one made you go there. If you're going to go to a Nazi rally, you should be willing to own that decision. I'm sorry. I don't have any sympathy for people outed because of their Nazi rally right? attendance. So yeah. I object to the term doxing being used in that situation. Yeah. I don't think it's a dox because you're the one out at a public place where you know there's media, you know there's cameras, and your face is there. You're not hiding it. So... Someone's really upset with me and said that, you know, you should never publicly call someone a Nazi. Like, never. Why, I asked? Because what if they have a twin? Have you ever considered that, Contra? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, this is good. I've never heard this one before. Okay, I'm sorry. So we can't call Richard Spencer a Nazi because what if he has a secret twin and someone gets confused? Like, that, I'm, that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And people were favoriting this response. Oh, no. Like, who are these people? Like, we have to be conscious. And this is what confuses what I get so distraught over is like, why is it there's just so many people who just go to the most elaborate lengths to white knight Nazi? Yeah, I don't don't get it. Believe me. Like,. who even thinks up things like what if they had a twin? So I gave them like I a, know. Uh, you know, pretend scenario. What if, you know, you called an Uber and you get into the Uber and you're like, oh, shit, this is the guy that was a, you know, at the Nazi rally. I don't want to be in his Uber. Can you then accuse them of being a Nazi? No. Well, what if there's like a, you know, like a swastika armband shoved in the back seat and you know that, that was his armband? You saw him wearing No. Well. What if he has a twin that, you know, he picked up and dropped off and the twin left his armband in the, you know, that was me elaborating to be stupid with whoever was making this twin excuse. But yeah, 
Yes. Like, because, I mean, okay, yeah, you should not attack someone. Well, you shouldn't attack someone at all unless it's like a defensive situation. But you certainly shouldn't attack someone unless you're very sure that you have the right person. And it seems to me that that's the person who's to blame here, not the person who called someone else a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. If, if I call Richard Spencer a Nazi, and then someone else attacks a Richard Spencer lookalike. That's really not my fault. Right, right. That's that person's fault for being for attacking someone who's for attacking someone. Period, and also attacking someone the wrong person. Look, twins. Twins yeah. isn't a known problem among Nazis. Like they don't have right. like a higher incidence of incidence of twins. Of right. Twins. Or they might have a lesser incidence of twins. <laughs> they might all look alike a bit. Well, what was the deal with them wearing the Nazi twins? This is not. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for some stupid news story to come out about like twins separated at birth. One of them is a Nazi and the other was raised as Jewish. Or right, <laughs> this exists already. It probably. What does. if it's like Antifa? That'd be interesting. Oh no! And then there would be some terrible documentary about them meeting up for coffee or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this is great. This should be a movie. Um, <laughs> Nazi twins. <laughs> Nazi twins. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's like five minutes of us, or me mostly, laugh, cracking up for the audience. Um, <laughs> where was I going with this? Uh, yeah, the okay, so their intolerance of being overweight is sometimes so disgusting. Oh, yeah, it's really vicious. Like, even with the horrific murder of Heather Hare, her, yeah. they were like, you know, there's all these YouTube videos saying, oh, the truth about Heather Hare. You know, she died of a heart attack because she was yes. overweight. And, like, no, she might have died of a heart attack because she was hit by a car. Well, and it's, I mean, out it's, by that it's or, just Nazi thinking for you. Like, people who are not maximally fit are not fully human. Yeah. Right? So, like, yeah, if you're fat or if you're disabled or if you're gay or if you're whatever it is that's not productive yeah. of the furthering of the white race, then you're not human because all that matters about people is their membership in the people or the race. And when, I mean, that's the core of their worldview. So, yeah, they dehumanize everyone else and it's really violent and scary. That's why we hate this stuff. Like, yeah. but yeah, it is interesting because, like, we don't often focus on fat people as a target, but they are. They are. Um, actually, I saw there was a pretty good article written about Heather Hare after the after she was murdered, and by another overweight woman who wrote about how you know these kinds of comments are pretty common from the far right. You know, these attack this way of dehumanizing someone on the basis of weight. Yeah, well, even if you're not like you know overweight, there was um. Mariam Namazi, the ex-Muslim activist, she did a nude protest where she held a Iranian flag and she cut out the word Allah, I believe, and you know that was where her crotch went. Uh-huh. So you'd think that a lot of these atheist activist types would be like, oh, go for it, but no, because she's very much on the left. They hate her so much. They, like, you know, cropped pictures of her body. Some, like, drew, like, gross drawings of her, like, with saggy yeah. boobs and with, like, refugees just, 
you know, a swarm of them coming from behind her and just like did the most horrible body shaming things like Tommy Robinson of the EDL formerly and now of Pegida. He was like attacking her on Twitter, calling her gross and saying that, you know, she doesn't look good. And other guys were like people who like use the hashtag, you know, end guardianship for Saudi women, people who are so up in this like Saudi women's rights stuff. They were like body shaming her in such a nasty way. One guy was like, I wouldn't even jerk off to you. And, you yeah, know, just so disgusting. What kinds yeah. of advocates for women's rights and Islam are these people? Well, the thing about these like right leaning men is that a lot of them, you know, they basically view women's bodies as either perfectly manicured for the visual sexual enjoyment of men or else disgusting and you know having no right to be displayed publicly right yeah like so it can even you know these are people who when they're claiming muslim women i think are not there's no they're not not really like mm-hmm. not wholly anyway um because i don't know what do we what do we do about men what do we do about men? <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, so one thing that I've, that's uh, experience I've had a lot coming, you know, coming out as trans and beginning to transition, is like the way men and women react to you starts changing, and in particular, men. Like when I tell them, you know, when I first started, when I first came out, or said I was going to transition, like the first thing they do is analyze how fuckable you are, <laughs> and like so it's the, all about the, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like they're they're more polite than that but it is what they do and it's amazing because it doesn't matter how like in your family or your doctor they are like they all do it and it's it's like this part of like what being a woman is actually desirable it is like part of the definition of woman yeah, yeah. so things are easier for, for if you're a trans woman things are much easier for you in a sense if you're acute mm-hmm. because that's the kind of what that's what men are looking for and that's what men are looking that's what men view as a, a successful woman is someone who they find sexually attractive mm-hmm. um, but yeah i mean this so this this can kind of lashing out happens at all kinds of women i mean if you're a trans woman and you're and you're not a man doesn't find you attractive like they often refuse to accept that you're a woman if you are a cis woman and a man doesn't find you attractive then i mean right you, you they 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 act like you have no right to display your body like you just shouldn't you have no right to exist as a visual thing at all in public like that it's really fucked up yeah yeah and you know as someone who used to dress a bit like out there um yeah i i've seen a lot of differences in how like men have responded to me like on public transit right like when i was in university and dressed really goth and wearing corsets and stuff a lot of men would find that unapproachable but a lot of other kinds of men would find it like easy to objectify as some sort of slut you know yes i mean i hear this even like with women when women um dye their hair an exotic color you know that like that becomes a basis for men to talk to, to you more on, yeah. on like public to touch and in, or just to start like hitting on in public transit or whatever yeah um just because it's like some sign i don't know why it is with the colored hair like is that men for some reason associated with like sluttiness or is it like 
I don't know what it is. Like, or is it that they think that it's because you're a, there might be like a manic pixie dream girl aspect of this. Oh, they think you're a free spirited, per- spirited person. And they have this idea of a free spirited woman as a woman who will flirt back with them on the yeah. train. I don't know what it is. But yeah. also there's a demonization of people with like, you know, uh, dyed hair as SJWs now that I'm noticing. Like, yes. I, I mean, yes. I I'll, I'll, for a long time had a lot of different colors in my hair. Um, sometimes multiple colors at a time. And so when people talk about like SJWs with blue hair, like it blue hair at SJW. Yeah. yeah. It hits me. I'm like, what's wrong with people with blue hair? Yeah. I mean, I guess that is probably drawn. It is probably an accurate correlation between people who are like social justice advocates and people who have like dyed hair. I think that's something I've noticed. Like, you think so? It, it is. Con- yeah. I mean, it's not that all people with dyed hair are like that. Absolutely not. And definitely not the case in the other direction either. But I think there's a correlation. Like, I don't think it's, I think it's actually I think it's a stereotype that like sort of comes from something. Um, I don't know. Don't so. I don't, don't know, so. because like yeah. there's people of all sorts of ideologies in the goth scene and a lot of people oh, yeah. with colored hair. So there's even like border fashy stuff like, you know, you yeah, see yeah. like there was I saw this girl doing this dance with a Kekistan flag on a YouTube video. Like, you know, the, the title was something like Native Kekistani Woman Does Her Ethnic Dance. It was so silly. It had like something like 300,000 views and she's just doing like, you know, she was doing like goth dancing is very like recognizable. It's not like regular yeah. people going to the club and dancing. So, <laughs> you know, I was picking up on some of those moves and I'm like, whoa, whoa. What? What? <laughs> and she had like green yeah. hair, like Pepe colored hair. So, yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't know about the I mean, hair dye. I'm sure there must be another sub faction. Sometimes the people drawn to Kekistan are, are like the ones who are the most like internet culture and the most meme And those people probably are more likely to have. Because also, like, when I think of like this idea of like the cool internet girl, like the, who plays video games on the internet and does like live streams or whatever, I also think of dyed hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm noticing I'm not seeing a lot of blue hair at the Charlottesville rally. I mean, I'm not yeah, seeing yeah. a lot of women at all. I mean, there are women there. And the ones there, what I think of as the fashy hair for women would be like blonde, light blonde, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're into the trad life, obviously blue is not very traditional. Yes, right, right exactly. Yeah. So perhaps that's where the. The SG, the progressive and dyed hair idea comes together. Well, yeah, I think that's what it is. Like the stylistic, the fashion, the aesthetic ideas kind of track the political ideas. Where you know, I mean, the idea of a Nazi haircut, right? It's a, it's looking backwards, right? Or the the you know, a traditional housewife. They're looking yeah. backwards to the past. Whereas that dyeing your hair like rainbow colors is kind of like looking forwards, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's like let's do something new. Let's do something synthetic versus organic. Mm-hmm. Let's do something you know, individualist instead of conformist. Yeah. It, it tracks all this the same kind of value judgments. Yeah, it's that's interesting. That's an interesting way of looking at it. And, you know, in in stark contrast were these guys with, like, white polo T-shirts and beige golf pants like Donald right. Trump at uh, Unite the Right. They did that on purpose, right? Like, they were just yeah, inspired by his... they were dressing his... up as Trump, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. What a fashion icon he is. I know, his golf outfits, yes. It's true that those, that those fashion choices, right, they're supposed to reflect in general, you know, tradition and also conformity. Like, they... I, th- I think the, the polo shirt thing at least sort of seems to have been planned um, that a lot of them would wear polo shirts. 
and it's also kind of a fratty look at UVA. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and Anglin does say, like, how he wants to attract normal people when he's lecturing them on how to dress. He says... Right, right. Uh, he does admit that it's inevitable that abnormal people will be attracted to white nationalism. And here's how he suggests dealing with that. Fat people... Oh, I guess he means fat people by abnormal. Okay. Fat people should be allowed to join groups. How very right. nice of him. So, so generous. Yeah. So fat people should be allowed to join groups and be involved in rallies, but we need to create a culture where we don't necessarily shame people. Look at him being all inclusive. Wow, he's anti-body shaming for Nazis. (laughs) Don't body shame Nazis. But do look at them and expect them to get it together. What? (laughs) Okay, I got to read this again because it was so disjointed. So he says fat people should be allowed to join groups and be involved in rallies, being very generous. But we need to create a culture where we don't necessarily shame people, but do look at them and expect them to get it together. So shame people. I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I guess like... Um, he says he's working on his biggest diet The most diet charitable guide. way to interpret that would be like he thinks that people who are unfit in the movement should be encouraged to get fitter by... I mean, it sounds like the golden one a little bit too, who yeah. like thinks of himself as like this health guru in addition to his being a fashy leader. Like he wants it to be this whole lifestyle of like self-improvement, you know? Yeah. I read something from him, like talking about how women should do a certain number of squats right, right. a day. Like to, what if you do other exercises? Is that acceptable? Like, women don't get to have strong arms. They must have, oh, strong, okay. they must have strong buttocks for the making of white babies. <laughs> Or whatever. I don't, you know, I mean, I assume that that's the vague idea behind it. So Anglin says, I'm working on my biggest diet guide ever, which I think will help the overweight. (laughs) Nazi diet guide. No, (laughs) why does this exist? I hate it. (laughs) I love it. I I love it too. And I I hate it. (laughs) So we'll help the overweight and skinny alike, even if they have minimal time for exercise. (laughs) Continued obesity should not be tolerated. Surely so for uh, yeah, so they'll watch you for a while. Right, and, but if you don't uh, make improvements, you're out. Yeah, surely a lot of our target demographic is going to be out of shape, which is why we need a culture of fitness. People should go to the gym together, help each other with diet. Now, okay, Contra, we got what is his target? Yeah, we got to expect like you know Nazi cooking shows, Nazi diets, and maybe Nazi gyms in the future. I don't know. I mean, what's already coming. basically, it's already all on YouTube. Like, isn't wasn't that what was the the housewife a wife with a purpose or something? Yeah. Like, didn't she? I mean, the golden one does cooking on his channel. Does he really? Like, <laughs> yes. His his latest video. Oh my god! I'm I'm gonna I'm absolutely going to town on this. And my next video, which is going to be pretty golden one heavy again, but um, his his latest video is called "Meats Back on the Menu, Boys," oh. which is like which is a Lord of the Rings quote. It's something that an orc says, and. He, because he's been like vegan, I guess, for a while, or vegetarian. Oh, okay, okay. He's been doing that like weightlifting vegetarian thing, but now he's reintroducing good Swedish meat into his diet. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, he shows himself cooking it. It's maddening to watch him cook because he's terrible, but he is he is demonstrating how to do it. Okay, so Nazi cooking show is already there. No, I'm having no. to watch him cook. I mean, instead of using it, sorry, this is a very, this is a tangent that doesn't matter, but I'm fascinated. Instead of using a cutting board, he's slicing a vegetable <laughs> just in his hand over the pan. And I'm watching it. It's like, what are you doing? I just want to, 
I want to mom him, basically. Oh, is that your like inner fantasy coming out now? You want to mom? I have a lot of complicated feelings about the golden one. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't. I don't have any complicated feelings about him. His no, he's a bad person. He's a bad person. Yeah. And I'm kind of play. I kind of play off this. I know it's funny idea that I have a crush on him, but ultimately I don't have a crush on any Nazis. Good. Good. I've I've heard a lot of guys talk about how Lauren Southern is hot and stuff like that. Guys, please stop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange to me because I can't I can't feel like once I know somebody has a really bad ideology, it really blocks me from finding them attractive. Yeah. I just can't. Well, that's because you're a woman. Like, so I'm sorry. This I suddenly I'm I've turned into this person who makes these like really dramatic statements about what men do and what women do, <laughs> but. Part of it is because of the experience of going on hormones and like stuff with regard to your sex drive. Like my sex drive as I knew it when I had the testosterone in my system is obliterated. Uh Like like things just visually do not turn me on anymore in the way that they used to. And it's weird that like one chemical can do so much. But like for men, I think a lot of times, or I shouldn't just say men, I guess anyone with testosterone in their system probably, a lot, you know, the high levels of testosterone mere visual stimulus is enough to get you going without yeah. any kind of more complicated emotional connection. So for those people, like even if it's a fascist, like just the, the sight of them will be noticeable yeah. in a way that I think if you're running a more on estrogen sexuality where it's more about the relationship between that person and you than it is just about them as an object, like these are oversimplifications, but yeah. then it's much harder to find any kind of attraction to someone who's like political ideology you find abhorrent. Well, yeah, even that that's where the porn like sort of misconnection happens too. Right. Like, I don't know. Porn to, for me, it doesn't, it's not, nah, it's not great. It's like very, it's very man centric. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Back to fascist fashion. So now that we've talked about what England was saying, let's talk about Christopher Cantwell and his uh, attorney, Elmer Woodard, who appeared in court, apparently, wearing an early 1800s-style red waistcoat with gold buttons, bow tie, white mutton-chop whiskers, black Velcro shoes, and a 1910s-style straw boater hat. So Christopher Cantwell is the crying Nazi, the the famous yeah. one from the Vice documentary. And his lawyer is apparently Lord Foppington. There's <laughs> a character I do on my channel who, but yeah, the, this LARPing, I mean, it, this, this very much connects to what we were talking about in the last fascist fashion episode we did with these guys who are wearing, you know, um, brocaded vests and, yeah. and cravats and so on. This like, I mean, they were talking about like Edwardian or steampunk kind of stuff, but it seems like this guy has gone full 18th century with it. Why is he going to court like this, though? Why is this lawyer going is- to court like this? I mean, it's like something out of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, it's hard to believe, <laughs> believe this is really happening. But, like, yeah, he's got... I mean, does he have any sense of the absurd spectacle that this is? Or does he think that he's... I mean, so, again, it's this looking back, it's this nostalgia for this, like, past time of white glory, right? When lawyers wore wigs and red <laughs> coats with brass buttons. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to try... To figure this out, I wish I knew more about this person because I'm frankly fascinated. But 
um, yeah, that's kind of like a foppish thing. Like, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing going to court yeah. like this? It's it's very strange, but it, it does play into the idea that the dress-up scenes and the LARPing scenes all sort of have this overlap with uh, the Nazi scene. Yeah. And uh, well, that's not to I, say that everyone that likes to play dress-up or, you know, do role-playing stuff is into Nazism. Yeah, I guess I when I was younger, I I kind I guess I have a little I kind of get into the head of someone who thinks like the golden one or like this guy because I was kind of into the LARPy stuff when I was like a teenager. Um but not I the thought, Nazi stuff. Not the Nazi stuff at all. No. Um so to me, I mean, I actually when I was like 15 years old, I went through a kind of like short stage where I was like really getting into like Odinism and I learned like the you know, it's one of these like these like little micro stages that teenagers go through mm-hmm. as they're finding themselves or whatever. But like I, you know, learned like the runic alphabet and like all the stuff about oh, Norse wow. gods. And but, they but, would you know, love you from then. Well, <laughs> yeah, sort of. And I was a gorgeous twink. I would have been good. But like they I also like I learned that this was associated with neo Nazis and I was very put off by that. Yeah. Um but I also I don't know, I just like so something that one of those guys wrote on their Nazi blogs that we talked about last time resonated with me because it reminded me of like thoughts I used to have when I was like fifteen or sixteen years old, which is that like men's fashion today is awful. I'm not saying that it objectively is, but like the feeling is that it's based on this kind of deliberate sloppiness uh, or casualness, right? Mm-hmm. And it's actually much less true now than it was in 2003. For sure, like, yeah. Because I think now actually men's fashion is pretty like um, sharp yeah. again. And like fitted, you know, tight clothes are kind of back and tie bars and all this foppish stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but. When I, I mean, 2003, yeah, like boys, you know, they had just like really short hair and just loose baggy clothes. And part of that's just that I was with teenagers and that's what they're like because they're, you know, we're all weird about their bodies. But like, yeah, I love like the men, the Lord of the Rings with their long hair and like, or even looking back to like 60s hippies with their like frilly shirts and some of this, some of this is maybe transness coming out. But like, I also, it was some, some of it, but it's not only that. Um, and later I kind of, I, I was very into like, 18th century like opera costumes. This is the kind of that kind of goth stuff that I still have. That's your goth stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So I kind of get this feeling that there's something like. I mean, so for someone who's very mindful of aesthetics, like some of the Nazis are, there's something very dissatisfying about like 21st century men's fashion, right? I think clearly there is to a lot of these guys. Um, And clearly there, and one of their ways of dealing with it seems to be this LARPing. Um, and and Gold, the Golden One has taken this in the Lord of the Rings direction. Yeah, yeah. And then this lawyer has taken it in the fop, 18th century fop direction. Other people are going Edwardian with it or steampunk. They, they can't agree on, a, on an aesthetic, clearly, except like things white people do. There, That's the one commonality. Yeah. Well, I mean, the goth scene is very white. Yeah, but there are some non-white people doing them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not saying that goths are all white. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, what, what, where are the Nazis getting their ideas? Like, yeah, oh, Lord yeah, of the yeah. Rings. For Lord, sure. Lord of the Rings is a very white story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. What, I mean, That's like, why they're uh, so they, upset, like, at, you know, people yeah. calling for diversity for Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or, you yeah, know, that suspends their imagination yeah. if there's, like, a black guy in a show that has, like, fire-breathing dragons, that doesn't suspend their imagination. But this guy of another race is like, oh, no, 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 that's too implausible. 
Right, right. Yeah, there's actually um, there's a very interesting blog, or there used to be. I don't know if it still exists because I haven't looked at it in a few years. But it's called like I forget the name. I think Medieval People of Color or something like that. Let me Google it real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, but, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, but basically it documents the fact that like actually there was a lot of non-white people in medieval Europe, and we don't kind of like have this in our mental picture of what the Middle Ages look like, looks like, but we kind of make things more ethnically homogenous in our media representations than in fact they may really have been. But yeah, this, 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 they, they, they view that, the, I guess, like the fantasy universe of the Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones is kind of like, it's their white safe space, right? Where they, <laughs> it's this like fictional universe where there's only white people. And so, yes, they view attempts to diversify as being an invasion of that. And right, not realistic because obviously in, you know, whatever fictional <laughs> universe, why would there be people with different skin colors? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's what's interesting is that people who talk about freedom of speech a lot and they say that, you know, the government shouldn't have any power over regulating what people are saying, which is fine. But they say that, OK, so there will be social consequences and these things will sort of self-regulate. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. But they often oppose any sort of consequence that there is, even socially, right? Right, like, right. So and they're, just, they're just as opposed to the social... Co- I mean, often they characterize the social consequences as themselves censorship. Exactly. So then they don't want any consequence. Like, they, they just want, right. like, consequence-free speech. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's interesting. I actually never thought of it to put the, like, libertarian thing that way before, but that makes a lot of sense because it's true that what the libertarian always says is like, oh, we have to legalize racial discrimination and stuff because, you know, it, well, the market will take care of it. People will just not yeah. frequent those businesses. But in fact, what percentage of these people actually is just completely fine with discrimination? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at when Richard Spencer got his gym membership revoked. People right, were upset right. about that. Like, why? If it's a private company and they choose to get rid of him because he's making people feel unwelcome or just his presence is making their other clients feel uncomfortable, then that's right. their decision as a business. And then the same guy, Christopher Cantwell, whose lawyer dressed like this red coat guy, um, <laughs> He also got kicked off of OKCupid, I believe. Ah, yeah, yeah. And what was absolutely appalling to me is that even that minor, minor consequence was treated as some sort of authoritarian leftist, you know, uh, horrible... Freedom. Freedom is under attack. The Nazis are being kicked off (laughs) OKCupid. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's just I can't conceive of the mindset of someone who's upset about this. Me neither. And you know, there are popular skeptics that were like, "Oh, this is the smug groupthink, whatever." Smug groupthink. Come on, a Nazi is not entitled to a fucking dating site, right? I know a dating app that like it's especially funny to me that it's OkCupid because I associate OkCupid with like bisexual hipsters. I know nothing about dating apps because I stopped dating before these things. Oh gosh, that makes me really old, eh? (laughs) I'm showing my age here, but yeah, like, you know, I've been married for a while and uh, we were dating when these things were new. So yeah, I know nothing about when people say swipe left. So I, I don't know what that oh, means. That's Tinder <laughs> or Grindr. Okay. So the thing about Tinder, these new things that are on phones, and the thing is, I never really have, I hate these apps, so I don't really use them. But 
they're very basically you're they're just making decisions whether you want to talk to someone just based on their picture. OkCupid isn't like that. It's more of a traditional dating site where you have like a full profile, some pictures, you answer a bunch of questions mm-hmm. about yourself and have these long descriptions that you write out about yourself. So like OkCupid is like more popular with like lesbians and people who want to like, I don't know, have more of a emotional or more of like a real relationship kind right. of than a hookup. Orient, orient than just a hookup. Yeah. Um so it's funny to me that Cantwell would be using OkCupid just because <laughs> I, it, it, not 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 because Look, it he sense, wants but, to he wants to yeah. connect with people on his Nazi beliefs. I know, I know. Well, and it makes sense actually maybe that he would want to use it because he probably wants to get all that shit out up front. Yeah. Uh, but well, they should make a Nazi dating I'm sh- I wonder, it's amazing to me if they haven't already, that they haven't already. <laughs> they have their own Twitter, they have their own everything, right? Like, yeah. where's their Nazi? Maybe they have one, we just don't know about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, OkCupid, it's just funny to me because I, of my personal associations with OkCupid with, like, Murakami reading, like, lesbian cow ladies. <laughs> yeah, so, but so that's like- just me. People were like, oh, you know, just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean that, you know, he doesn't deserve, uh, you know, to date anyone or what. Like, come on. He's like, how do you not discriminate on someone based on their fucking Nazi ideas? Yeah. And it's just like a weird time to be like also moral grandstanding about this. Like, it's a weird issue to take up. Like, private dating sites must allow Nazis. Like, that's the hill I want to die on. Like, right after Charlottesville, for fuck's sake. Right. Right after they murdered someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to me. And Cantwell himself said some disturbing stuff on that Vice documentary, like about violence. more violence and there's going to be more violence to come and like he's preparing for it. he's got all these guns like yeah he looks like a person who's about to commit mass murder okay so then why the hell would any dating site want their clientele exposed to that guy i'd to take a, a dangerous unstable white nationalist gun nut yeah, yeah. i'm I don't think that I would want to expose anyone on my site to that person. So what is wrong with people who defend this? I don't who defend him from like who 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 say he shouldn't even bear the the, the minor social consequence of not getting access to OK Cupid. Like this it's, isn't yeah, It's hard. I mean the only thing I can th- like I haven't seen this these people exactly on this issue, but I know like this exact thing that you're talking about. I experience it all the time. It is so frustrating. I mean, I think what it seems to come down to it I mean, this is just a guess, but maybe it's just this like solidarity with everyone else who's accused of racism because they feel like they're accused of racism. And they, but, but like, how can they have not more self-respect than to want to distance themselves in their own minds from someone who's clearly a psych, a, you know, a kind of dangerous, violent, armed Nazi? Like, why are they putting themselves in the same category as this person to the point where they're like? empathizing with their plight you know what i mean it's troubling yeah it's a really strange hill to die on as he said and then there was this john carney guy who was really upset about that vogue cover from september of jennifer lawrence oh yeah that was so weird (laughs) it was photographed in front of the statue of liberty in a red dress like he seemed to take it as an attack This is his tweet. We're going to have to create a full MAGA shadow cultural industry because the opposition media can't even do fashion without attacking us. What the hell is the attack? Right. The picture, to be clear, right, it was like literally just a picture of Jennifer Lawrence standing in front of the Statue of Liberty. That's it. In a red dress. Yep. That's right, in a it. red dress. And somehow this was read as an attack on white nationalists, which, like, I, I guess the only thing I can think of is that they associate the Statue of Liberty with immigration. But, like, 
the Statue, but the Statue of Liberty is like an American icon. Like, right, like the, right. Like it's this like the, is it's like a second to the stars and stripes. Like what is that? I I don't. Yeah, it's really well. At a certain point, I mean, it's become a, a kind of delusions of persecution situation. Seriously, like, when you aren't yeah. persecuted, you have to make it up. I mean, right? These are the same people who see like malignant, like Jewish influence in all media, and who. Fe- I mean, we've got like I know Davis. Well, Davis Arini talks about like. Uh, this guy on YouTube, he's not not so much discussed anymore. But um, he would go on about how like there's constant representations of interracial cuckoldry in our media, which are trying to convince us to become cocks. <laughs> and it's like, are there? Like he doesn't give any examples <laughs> of like interracial cuckoldry being pushed in the media. He just tells us. He that probably it's just means that yeah. it's interracial relationship. Yeah, maybe like um, right or, or any time that there's like a, a movie depicts like a flirtatious interaction between a white and a non-white person. This probably is read by him as a sinister miscegenation propaganda or something. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like Jordan Peterson and his paranoia about his Disney's Frozen. Fro- Disney's Frozen as in its dark feminist agenda. Yeah. Right. And Stefan Molyneux said something crazy about Beauty and the Beast as well. Like it was and Star Wars being anti-male propaganda. Like these people yeah. are nuts. And what's odd is that it all comes from the same corner of the internet that just collectively, like, threw the, one of the biggest tantrums in internet history. Why? Because Anita Sarkeesian said that video games have misogynistic ideas <laughs> in them. Yeah. And then they go on to propound their own theory, which is that all media is essentially controlled by feminist Jews or whatever it is they think. <laughs> well, and then they, they think that the leftists yeah. are so sensitive, but they can't handle Disney movies for the fuck's sake. That Frozen is offensive to them, and the Statue of Liberty is offensive, and yeah. it's an attack on them. Yeah. So this John I, Carney guy also said, seriously, I think we could do really well with Breitbart News fashion. Oh, well, he was tagging at Breitbart News. Lots of women would like their fashion without leftism. What the hell? What the hell is fashion with or without leftism? Like aprons. I don't. What is the fashion without left leftism? Like, like are jeans leftist? Are t-shirts like plain colored t-shirts leftist? So I'm like, sure that anything immodest is probably leftist. So to Jennifer this Lawrence was wearing a red dress in this. Is that leftist? That seems. I don't know. I can't. I'm going crazy thinking of trying to imagine what these <laughs> world looks like to these people. Like because I don't think a red dress is leftist, but. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, no, it can't be that that's leftist. But maybe, I don't know, was she showing too much upper arms? What century is this? Well, like, spaghetti uh, strap dress, so yeah. Oh, spaghetti strap, scandalous. <laughs> well, yeah, and here we are. <laughs> These people don't like Islam again? Yeah, like, see, this yeah. is really weird to me. As right. someone who lived in Saudi Arabia, seeing these parallels is mind-boggling. Yeah. And I can't tell yeah. you how frustrating it is for me to see ex-Muslims sort of trade in the gross conservatism that we experienced in, you know, Islam for this yeah. sort of A just only... Of social conservatism. Yeah. yeah. It, there's so many. And then, and then the post-Charlottesville takes are, like, hurting my head, telling people that, you know, using this opportunity to tell people that Islam is worse than Nazism, in their view, or You know, they even made a meme where there was like, uh, I guess, a Nazi symbol and then all the religious symbols like all like, you know, thrown in the dirt or whatever. And then this Jewish woman was like, you know, this agnostic Jewish woman said something like, oh, this is uh, offensive to me Uh, as a secular agnostic Jew. Like, I don't think that Nazism and Judaism should be 
treated the same. Like, and then they double down and say, well, no, Judaism is worse than Nazism. This is not the kind of criticism of religion I signed up for at all. Yeah, it's it's like they've lost at this point. They've lost all perspective. And like, because I remember seeing that kind of stuff when I was sort of involved with like the atheist community back in 2010 or so. Like, some people would just take it so far. And I mean, even like Hitchens was guilty of this in a more sophisticated way, like, where he would say that effectively, like, religion is the root of all evil. And like, you know, he would get to the point where he was kind of blaming Hitler on the Catholic Church. And like, well, yes, they, you, you certainly can argue that they're complicit as they were. But sometimes people in like, anti-theist or atheist activism gets so one note that they lose sight that the world is more than just like good versus religion. Mm-hmm. And, it's and there's strange. other ways to be bad besides religion. And there's ways to be not bad while still being in religion. Right, right. Like I don't yeah. like religion at all. And I hate to be in a position to have to say, hey, you know, maybe that's a bit too far. But when you're telling, like, a Jewish person that their religion is worse than Nazism, like... Yeah, that's that's, that's ridiculous. It's so ahistorical, devoid of context, and just any sophistication. It's... Well, there's this thing, like, that sometimes, like, you know, um, anti-theists do, where they say, they take, like, the doctrines of Christianity and Judaism or Islam, you know, the idea of, like, hell, for example, as evidence of something, as that the religion is far more sinister than any other thing humans can concoct, because it involves, like, eternal torture or whatever. It's but gross, it's like, but it's not, like, yeah, a real thing. Yeah, I agree thing. that it's bad, but the thing is that this is ultimately, you're an atheist, remember, so yeah. this is imaginary, and right. it's different from actually doing that to people than exactly. actually, than actually actually torturing people like it's a horrible idea i agree and i don't and i i'm I'm on the same page as you here like i don't have any i really don't sympathize with religion if anything i'm a little bit hostile to it me too and i love being hostile to it but these people are ruining it for me yeah but also i acknowledge that like there are many people who are both religious and good people there's are oh of course absolutely and like and like some people do good things in the name of religion and some people do bad things in the name of being anti-religion and it's just more complicated than good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this is not the time to be elevating Nazis and giving them more legitimacy by comparing them to sort of belief systems that majority of the world fall into, whether we agree or, or, or don't agree. I mean, I think that you can criticize religion as its own as its own thing, as its own form of evil. Absolutely. And go hard on it. But when you're like saying, oh, but no, this is worse than Nazism, and you're also the same person who said that, oh, leftists use the term Nazi so much that they watered it down, that now that we need to use it, it doesn't mean so much. Yeah, yeah, it's... Then you're the one also using it for, like, majority of the world's population because you're comparing right. all the world's religions to Nazism. There's, yeah, there's just like a, it's like a lack of, like, willingness to... or. Uh, lack of knowledge about like the broader social and political context yeah yeah there's a result of too narrow focus on one issue is what it seems like the part of the problem is to me here yeah Yeah. you're right and that that's something that must be 
tackled, I think. And, and that's what happened when the atheist scene sort of sort of uh, zoned in on Islam and Islam alone as a yeah. reaction to people denying that there was any problems related to Islam. They sort of went solely focusing on Islam, which allowed a lot of like right wing Christians and stuff to piggyback off of the movement, too. And then. Right. Yeah. Because you end up being in the same company as like Pam Geller and mm. like, you know, or like you said, yeah, even like Christians who are anti-Muslim. Like, I can't, I mean, it's like Sargon of a cat. Like, he gets all these comments from people who are like, I'm actually a Christian conservative, but I love your videos. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't say anything, you know, all he talks about is how, you know, is like being anti, like, Muslim refugee or anti-immigrant or being right-wing in another way. It's like, yeah. he doesn't talk about being, he doesn't, he's not anti-Christianity in any respect. Like, not, in, or if, not in even if they the are, it barely comes up. So that it friction isn't up, there. Yeah. Yeah, but let's and, and just... they're, they're not—they're not really around when it comes to time to defend abortion or you know defend gay rights or anything like that. Like, no, not much is said. Not much is said. Yeah. In, to what Trump is doing. To they're just you know? quiet about it. Right? Did you and see like, Dave Rubin like tweeting some terrible thread after the after Trump's rant about banning trans people? Saying that, you know, this is a nuanced thread yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is their response. This is the response of them when... Yeah, right, right. I mean, it, it's it's like in, in a political environment where trans people's rights are literally being taken away, like, their response is to be like, but what if we're forced to use pronouns we don't want to use, mm. you know, like... And, and or to go off on these weird speculations about like uh, the authoritative left and how that's going to be used to like shove trans rights down our throat. Like that's what they're complaining about, right? Not the disenfranchisement of trans people. So it's like, okay, I see what side you're on. Yeah, yeah. In effect. Uh, all right. Well, let's just um, wrap this up with one quick mention of uh, the horrific music genres I discovered in prep uh, for this. I listened to some Fash Wave, and then I discover there was Trump oh, Wave yeah. and Trump Reich, Reich Step. Really, really creepy music genre. So I guess it's like based on synth wave. And then I, I copy pasted from Wikipedia a definition of what synth wave is, so I can read it out for people for reference. Um, synth wave, also called retro wave and future synth, is a genre of electronic music influenced by 1980s film soundtracks and video games. Beginning in the mid-2000s, the genre developed from various niche communities on the internet, reaching wider popularity in the early 2010s. Aesthetically, synth wave gives a retro-futuristic perspective, emulating 1980s science fiction, action, and horror media sometimes compared to cyberpunk. So yeah, so cyberpunk and things that things like um you know that 80s retro feel that was really popular in the in the goth scene as well. And it's Interesting. Really, really troubling to me how many like weird overlaps there are, right? So Fashwave is yeah. just like it has that sort of retro feel to it it has that synth and it also has sound clips of like hitler speeches you know so yes. it's techno dance synthy music with like samples of hitler speeches and then trump wave is the same with like trump trump clips you know yeah so i think maybe the missing link here is vaporwave which is like 
Do you know, are you familiar? I don't know what that is, no. So it's like a kind of, I guess, aesthetic that I know from YouTube, but I think it also developed on Tumblr and other sites, where basically the music is kind of, sort of borrows a lot from synthwave, but also involves a lot of like slowed down music from the 80s. Like the most famous Vaporwave song is this, it's it's from from an album called Floral Shop. And the artist, I think, is... It's Macintosh. I can never remember. It's Macintosh 420. If you search for Macintosh 420, like okay. you'll get the song. Um, it's just a Diana Ross song, slowed down a lot, and it sounds very kind of like trippy and like chill. And often these are, you know, there's like all these offshoots, like Simpson Wave, which uses this kind of music, and then or uses synthwave, and then puts like Simpson clips over it. Oh. And it's kind of it's all kind of like nostalgic and dreamy. It's weird and, that they're taking yeah. nostalgia. You know what I mean? They're trying to yeah. claim this. I don't want them to ruin nostalgia because I love eighties yeah. music. So, well, I don't think they will. Like I think, I mean, on my channel, I use this aesthetic. Yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah. So I'm tr- I'm holding on to it, Good. and also I think it's actually more in my mind it's more associated with the left than with the right yeah. because vaporwave has always had a kind of leftist kind of like critique of capitalism mm. feel to it, mm. um, you know, sort of like well, sort of nostalgia about 80s and 90s like consumerism, or especially like in Japan these like you know, music videos set to like old Japanese Coke commercials and stuff like this, mm. but in a way that kind of uses the sad, like longing of nostalgia to also sort of express the emptiness of a consumer lifestyle. I associate it with being kind of a left-wing thing. Mm. Um, but also there's like labor wave, which is like, if they put like these this aesthetic and they put in like pictures of like Lenin's and stuff, but pink and like, oh. so this seems to be like across the whole political spectrum. Okay. People are, t- are jumping on this board with this thing. But yeah, part of that is definitely, I've never seen the fascist way. I did. I do remember Trump wave. I saw that in 2016 and yeah. I was very upset. But um, so yeah, in I fascist wave, that, they yeah. also had like a lot of like, you know, muscular white men in the videos in the YouTube videos, uh-huh. aside from the marching Nazis that they clipped. There's yeah. also like men doing gymnastics in these full like, oh my God. Leotards. like what was What's up with that? sort of imagery i don't know well it's this veneration of like strong masculinity i guess yeah i guess the but old. if you i don't know in my opinion like this 80s stuff doesn't really lend itself well to fascist aesthetics because it's just too like to me there's something fundamentally like effeminate about it i don't i, I guess i guess it's particularly like the kind of like dreamy vapor yeah, 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 kind yeah. of feel to a lot of these things like the slowed down songs and the like the, it's just like it just exp- exp- the emotions it expresses are not fascist. Like it expresses like sort of like these like subtle this like, subtle nostalgia or dreaminess, and it's not kind of like glory and yeah. power. Um, you know, I can see fascists going more with the, like metal, which they do yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. go with. Um, that seems to be more like compatible with their basic values, but. Who knows? They, they, some of them are pretty skilled at appropriating all kinds of weird things. I never would have expected that iron, ironic Pepe would have become a thing. Yeah, I know, right? It's just a harmless cartoon frog, right? And, and <laughs> the whole thing, like, there's like this, you know. Of course, now we know better, but before the last few years, I never would have associated irony with fascism, right? The yeah. idea was that like Nazi Germany is this place where there is no irony, right? Where everyone's very seriously hiling Hitler and goose-stepping around with no sense of humor about it whatsoever. Um, 
or, you know, it seems like the kind of thing where you can end up in a camp for cracking a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, so the idea that actually that now that there is this, there's this grinning cartoon frog and all this like goofy stuff associated with Nazism, like that. The is, idea that it's a well, counterculture, it yeah, it's like a right. punk thing is being sold by Paul Joseph yes. Watson. Is, yes, that's his big thing, isn't it? It's not. I mean, they might no, be yeah. transgressing against the mainstream a little bit, but it's within yeah. the same sort of framework, the same system that they transgress. It's like a system yeah. that benefits well, like the white man or, you know, so if you're transgressing by being far right, then you're still sort of within the system. Yeah. Well, I guess one way of putting it is that there's like, there's, a, there's an important difference, but like not every way of being against the status quo is revolutionary, right? Like, if you're, okay, yeah, it's definitely against the status quo to be openly a Nazi, but what that is is called reactionary. It's not yeah. revolutionary, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a move back to a more conservative and traditional and more, uh, basically an extreme version of the current power relations, right? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And so it's, it's if anything, like a, a um, like amplification of the status quo to like frightening intensity. Yes. Instead of like any, it's not countercultural, it's like hyper, it's like... Hypercultural. Hypercultural or something. Wow, this sounds really like jargony, but uh, <laughs> I, I sound like a French critical theorist, but like, yeah, I... And it, it's true that it, it, white supremacy is not really a fundamental conflict with like a lot of the way the United States has effectively been run for its history. Like you know, it, and I, that's I do some think brave it, warrior by being a white supremacist. Yeah. yeah. No, not at all. Like you're just uh, you're continuing continuing the uh, shameful tradition of the Ku Klux Klan and the and housing discrimination and all the things that have afflicted people of color in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. I guess that's that. Any any closing words of wisdom? I think that's, uh, I don't know if I have any closing words of wisdom. I guess I would say my closing words of wisdom is that you've got to stay um, agile when it comes to keep, keeping track of this stuff because the minute we describe something, they're onto something new. Yeah. So don't assume that Nazis by the end of the year will even be using Pepe. They'll be it'll be some new thing, and you've got to learn what it is. Otherwise, you get you get fooled. Yeah, I saw them using yeah. the finger that's like the jihadi finger. Which is I know. Weird. I think they. I've, I've, I, I like sent. A, I posted a thing on Twitter asking why they were using that. I think that it is a gesture that Trump makes in speeches, and they took it from him. Mm-hmm. It just um, so happens to look like yeah. the ISIS gesture. It just. It's, yeah, it's an accident that it resembles that <laughs> ISIS gesture. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time to discuss fascist fashion. You do it so well. well thanks and, for having me uh, on. Yeah, I'm always. I always enjoy our conversations about these topics (laughs) me too who else will talk to me about these weird intersections yeah it's 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 very interesting (laughs) awesome well you take care and keep doing what you're doing you evil leftist propagandist thank you you too all right take care contra bye thanks for listening to another episode of polite conversations You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. 
nicemangos.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no E in mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help. 